Pizza City is brought to you in part by United Healthcare. How crazy is it to think you can actually have your insurance company pay you to walk? United Healthcare isn't crazy. They just want you to be healthy. One of their programs is called United Healthcare Motion, where members can earn more than a thousand bucks a year toward their health reimbursement account just for walking. If your company works with United Healthcare, ask your friendly HR person about their programs. And if not, go tell them to switch today. Go to uhc.com slash Illinois Motion to get more information. United Healthcare, a proud supporter of the Illinois Restaurant Association and committed to your good health. And at that point, I really didn't understand about quality of the product, you know, of tomato and of flour. So, yeah, it was, it was a shitty show, basically, yeah, for the first months. What do you do if you're from Italy, you've grown up eating great pizza, but your American dream of owning your own place goes south from the get-go? Massimo Lavilia learned pretty quickly if he was going to survive in the competitive pizza world of Williamsburg, Brooklyn, he needed help. The story of how an immigrant with a dream turned into one of the city's best pizzaiolos at Lindustry, straight ahead. I need a deep dish sausage and a thin pepperoni for here. This is Pizza City, the podcast dedicated to the art, craft, and passion behind some of the world's greatest pizzas. I'm Steve Dolinsky, author of Pizza City USA and founder of Pizza City USA Tours in Chicago. And welcome to the show, everybody, this week. Uh, great to have you along with us. We've got a great story today, a really made-in-America story for sure. Massimo Lavilia, proud son of Tuscany, came to America not that long ago, about seven, eight years ago, uh, worked in restaurants in New York, and just like a lot of people wanted to have his own place, decided it was going to be pizza, even though he really had very little pizza experience. And how many times have you seen this? Someone who just loves pizza thinks it's, you know, fairly straightforward um, and finds a little 200 and maybe 290-square-foot space, I mean, pretty typical for this part of Williamsburg, and inherits another place called Le Industry. That's L apostrophe Industry. Uh, it was from a French gentleman, and tried to make it his own, and reinvented a little bit, used whatever he had uh, there to begin with, you know, the ovens, he sort of inherited everything, and started making pizza, and honestly realized this is not a very good pizza. Um, very self-deprecating to this point. Of course, now you can look back and kind of laugh at it because the uh, industry really offering one of the best pizzas in New York, pretty widely um, agreed upon that this is uh, a must-visit pizzeria in New York City. Not just the fresh burrata, not just the, the parmigiano-reggiano and the, the fresh basil and olive oil that go on and all the slices, but really his attention to detail and the fact that he's doing great wedges and squares. So... Um, I was on a recent uh, trip to New York eating quite a bit of pizza, and Massimo was kind enough to take some time out of the afternoon. It was right around the time kids getting out of school, so they were coming in and out of the store while he chatted with me in his very small front room with maybe eight stools. And we talked about, as we begin all conversations, his early pizza memories. Hi, 
Massimo, thanks for taking some time. I know you're busy here. You got a small shop, and you're taking some time here to talk to me. Um, I, I ask everybody this: the first question usually, what's your first pizza memory? My first pizza memory, I think when I, yeah, absolutely when I was in Italy, probably by five when I was five six years old. What part of Italy? Toscany. I'm from my town is Pistoia. is 30 minutes from Florence. It's a small town. And so we've heard in America about Roman style. We've heard about the Roman Altaglia. We've heard about, of course, Neapolitan from Napoli. What is the style of pizza from where you came from? Uh, the style of pizza from where I'm from is more like a cracker. Is We do like 10 inch pie and very similar to the Roman style, but the, the round pie. Kind of like what Martina was doing before in the city. Yes, exactly. Very similar, yeah. So tell me how you got uh, to New York. Okay, so I moved here in uh, 2014 I came my first time in 2013 vacation for like two weeks it was my dream so I moved back I figured out everything and I left my country <laughs> and I came here my first year I was playing soccer and then I started to work in a restaurant and were you doing any kind of pizza work when you were never. in Italy besides eating never never I did a lot of eat but never make pizza or never work in a restaurant never do you remember like the first time you ate pizzas in New York City uh, I think my first slice of pizza was on Carmine, on Graham Avenue. And just get a New York slice, a I wedge. Just get a New York slice, yeah. I didn't really understand about like the New York style pizza, you know, I guess. And I get into pizza later when I start to work in a restaurant in the city. I was a server and I really became passionate about pizza and I was reading a lot. And then I find this spot on sale in Williamsburg. And then, you know, when my life changed. And were you looking actively for a pizzeria for a location? Um, not really. I was I was doing really good at the restaurant as a server. It just was the time to do something. I feel that I need to do something in my life, some change. So I find the spot here and I jump in on, even without any experience. And, you know, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. People would want to make the kind of pizza that they're familiar with, that they know from childhood. Like, you know, Paulie G, when he was practicing in his backyard with a, a wood-burning oven, that's what he opened up in his restaurant, and then he opened up a slice shop because that's the pizza he remembered eating as a kid. I would surprise that you didn't want to make the pizza you grew up eating because that's what you knew in Tuscany. You wanted to make something different. Absolutely, yeah. To be honest, the pizza in that I grew up in Tuscany is not really that great. It's not my. F it's not my. F it's no not one my from favorite. Italy has ever admitted that, by the way. <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's not absolutely not my favorite. You know, I mean, I feel that I have to go in Rome if I want to find the best pizza place for me. Uh, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, I spend a lot of time trained in Pratik. The first month here in the pizzeria, I did a lot of mistakes. The pizza wasn't that good. Uh, a lot. So, what kinds of things were you making mistakes on? Uh, mostly about dough about fermentation and everything. I really didn't know how to mix. I mean, I before this pot, it was owned by a French guy. That's why the name is L'Industria. So I saw something in like the last week that he was working, but obviously like the first week when I started to work, it was just a mess. So this was a pizza place called mm -hmm. Industry, yes. um, but it was not doing a different style. Um, kind of similar, but yeah, different. It, it was different. And when you said you're making these mistakes, how did you correct them? Did you ask other people in the industry for help? Did you look online for help or, or consult books? Uh, I look online. I read a lot of books. I asked a couple of my friends in Rome, and they helped me a little bit. 
and I used to have a small Obert, so the first things that I did, I changed the Obert and I buy a spiral mixer, and at that point, I feel is when I improved my dough a lot. You went from a Hobart to a to spiral a mixer? Hobart. Yeah, after a couple of months, I changed it, and at that point, I think that I really improved a lot the dough, and um, I mean, we still change the dough every day, almost. We always change the recipe, and we try a new different flour. And so you took over, and this you said this is about three years old now, coming up on March. When, when, when you started, did you say, okay, we're going to make a completely different style of pizza, we're going to make the style that I want to make? Uh, not really. When I started in 2017, I think it was March, yes. Uh, I mean, I was, first of all, I was broke because I spent all my money <laughs> to get the spot. So. And this is not a big spot, by the way. How big is this space? 294 square feet 295 yeah we don't have a basement nothing i mean the counter before it was in the back so we used to have like four table and we can see like 10 people but now we have to move uh, like close to the window i mean we're sitting in a space here with is it three six seven stools yeah i know so yeah nothing i took over the spot and i tried to make to make the same pizza that he was doing this guy the french guy and obviously, and I, I, it wasn't great. I did a lot of mistakes. I, w- I wasn't putting a lot of water in the dough, so the dough was really tough. I remember the first week, and I was like, oh, my God, I can't stretch this dough. I don't know how to do it. Did you feel bad sell, like charging people for this pizza? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And at that point, I really didn't understand about quality of the product, you know, of tomato and of flour, you know. So, yeah, it was... It was a shitty show, basically, yeah, for the first months. And so how long did it take you before you really felt like you, you got oh, your style? Five, six months, maybe. It took me uh, a little bit to be more comfortable. I I'm, I mean, I remember that I got sleeping in the pizzeria for three, four times, I think, because I was, you know, I was almost crying at night time because the people wasn't happy. I, I had a lot of complaints the first months, you know. Because the customers, I'm guessing, are, are spoiled. And they expect a great slice, right? Yeah, no, of course, they expect a great slice, but also was I was very slow because I never made pizza. So a lot of people that were complaining about timing, like in a Saturday night, I would probably make like 20, 35, which is nothing, you know? And yeah. Are you only doing the rounds with the wedges or squares? I know I was only doing the round and I was by myself. So it was really hard to do everything. I was cleaning the table, making pizza, pick up the phone, taking the delivery. So it was really hard. Thinking you were crazy to leave the restaurant, you should have just stayed in that job? Yeah, the first months I was was about, I I can't do it. Uh, But you know, it was my dream. So I had to do it. Like there is no choice at that point. I become more much in love with pizza and I understand more the fermentation. So at that point, everything changed up, you know. And did you start eating, like, while this was going on, were you going around New York and eating in some of the better pizza places to get an idea of what, what, what was tasty? Yeah, I think one of my first lies, it was a scar. Oh, scars on the Lower East Side. Yeah, so at that point, I, we become friends with the scar. And I understand better. He helped me a little bit to understand better the quality of the ingredients in general. It's so interesting how there is this sort of pizza fraternity of mostly guys who help one another here. Yeah, no, it's beautiful. I mean, with Sky, he helped me a lot. He showed up here one day, you know, and introduced himself. And he liked the pizza when I wasn't happy, you know. 
it helped me to understand like quality of the ingredient because this is the point in the beginning i was making pizza but I, I was thinking only about money right because i have to make the money and able to pay the rent and everything now is more about the quality for me i want to make good pizza great pizza even if i make less money but you know i feel that one day people they understand you know i really care about the quality all right, we're going to take a break from talking with Massimo. We're going to come back in a little bit um, and hear more about his process and specifically how he makes these incredibly delicious pizzas. And then we're going to preview some scenes from our next show coming up in two weeks. So stay with us. You've been hearing a lot about cup and char pepperoni lately from New York to Detroit and even L.A., the nubby tiny cups curl up when baked due to their natural casing with charred edges and tiny flavor jammed interiors. Hormel's been making cupping pepperoni since the 1940s and now their Rosa Grande cup and char pepperoni is showing up in some of the best pizzerias in America. The natural and collagen casings have an intensely savory smoky flavor with a kick from spices like cayenne, red pepper, anise, paprika, and fennel. Every stick is inspected by hand to ensure the best quality. They come four ways. Thick cut, that's eight slices per ounce. Thin cut, extreme, with extra garlic and black pepper. And if you want to slice them yourself, you can get them as a whole stick. I got to try some of each, and let me tell you, these little babies pack a ton of flavor. To try some for free, just go to rosagrandepepperoni.com slash pizzacity. And if you own a pizzeria or work for one, here's the deal they'll send you a 25-pound case of any of the varieties I just mentioned by simply filling out the form. That's rosagrandepepperoni.com slash pizza city to try some for yourself. Rosa Grande, cupping and charring the pizza world. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We're talking with Massimo here at Lindustry in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. And we were talking in the last segment about how uh, at, when you first opened about three years ago, you were focused on making money because you were basically broke from putting this 290-square-foot place together, and you realized that maybe you should focus on the quality. So you talked to Scar, you read books, you consulted, you switched your mixer. Um, take me through the process without giving up all your trade secrets. of like, Let's do the round pie first. Flowers? Okay, so at that point, I used to use an Italian flour, double zero. Uh, not that it was bad, but I think, obviously, if I have to think right now, it wasn't the best. Because double zero is typically for a Neapolitan in a higher heat oven. Yes, correct. So, yeah, I was using this double zero. And the pizza, if I have to, I mean, it wasn't that great. It was super crispy. People love it. But it's nothing compared to the one of today, I think. So what was the switch you made? Uh, right now we use a different flour. We blend flour from uh, upstate. Another one is Italian. Mm, I mean, we use a different olive oil in the dough. We use a different tomato. Everything is... A lot of water? A lot of water, yeah. Our regular for the round pie goes around 65% to 70%. It really depends of the day. We have problem making dough here because we have the mixer by the oven. So it's really hot. And every day can change a lot. And do you calculate... Because I know Dan Richer at Raza in Jersey City calculates the temperature that the... Uh, mixer generates as a part of the recipe absolutely i do the same but right now i go by feeling the friction so, factor it's called the friction factor yes today i go like by feeling like today it's a little humid so i have to put like six seven hundred grams of ice in the water to make sure that when we finish the dough we have a certain temperature yeah okay and then overnight uh, fermentation 
no, we bulk ferment for like three, four hours, cut it, shape it, and then it goes in the fridge for 48 hours. So we let it ferment for two days. That's a big difference. A two-day yes. cold ferment makes a huge difference. Yeah, two-day cold ferment. Before, we used to do three days, but, you know, the space is very small, so we're not able to do it. I had to change something, and now we do it two, two days. And then in terms of topping, uh, sauce, just tomato sauce, any in particular? Um, I mean, we use Di Napoli from California, and I think it's, it's the best. Cheese? Cheese, we use Grande. Yeah, everybody uses Grande, it sounds like. Yeah, I feel it's the... For this kind of style, is the best. For me, I'm, it's my favorite. I don't want to say it's the best because other people, they use other cheese. But Shreds, though. Yeah, we shred it here. Okay. Yeah, we do 50% whole milk and 50% parscale. Okay, and then well, any... 70, 75% whole milk, sorry. And then any seasonings before or post-bake? Uh, seasoning, what do you mean? Like, like a oregano, basil? I mean, we finish all the pie with the extra virgin olive oil and parmesan and basil. All the pie, all, all the slice, doesn't matter. Yeah. And you're baking, what kind of oven is that? It's an Italian forni. It's not that great. It's a small electric oven, but we don't have enough power in the store to add another oven. So, If you had your druthers, what type of oven would you like to have? Uh, Moretti. I would choose Moretti. Already. Electric oven, yeah. Oh, an electric oven. Yeah. But you, not, you need a stone deck, though. Yes. Yeah. It's easy for us. We can control the temperature of the bottom and the top. So it's also good if we, when we do the Roman style, it's good to cook. But this one will be getting a lot of problem because it doesn't have uh, enough power, you know? It's a small oven. Temperature, what temperature are you baking at, like 600? 300 Celsius, so I guess it's 600 Fahrenheit. Yeah, sounds right. Um, okay, so you, so you mentioned the Roman, the squares you're doing. Now, looking at them, I would say, oh, it's sort of a Sicilian meets grandma, but the Roman, because of the crumb, the, the, the height of this, and it looks quite heavy, as I said to you earlier, and I quoted John Arena, you know, kind of looks like a brick, eats like a feather. It's so light. Take me through this Roman pizza you're doing. Okay, this Roman pizza, we start, I think, Pratic in 2018, in May. Did you feel like you had to do a different style because so many places are doing squares now? Uh, not really, not really. I It was about me. I, I really wanted to learn this, uh, this style, so I called one of my friends from Rome, and he came here for a week, and he showed me, like, a little bit of the process, how to make the, the Roman style. Different flours, different fermentation, everything? Uh, different flour, different fermentation. Um, yeah, he was like more, you know, in Rome, they're very different. It, here, is you have to make pizza in a different way, more like Sicilian. Let's say American people, they love pizza more saucy, more cheese. You know, they want to have more toppings. People here, they're hungry. They're not like in Italy, you know, they, they, have, <laughs> they have a beautiful life. They want to go high. Here, they need to eat. The process of the dough, yes, is the same, but we do a lot of different things. Longer ferment than your rounds? Uh, no, it's 24-hour ferment. We How do a pre-ferment bigger, then we keep a room temp for about 24 hours. We try to control the temperature on that. So usually right now, like we do between the fridge and outside. But that pre-ferment has to be the difference because you got so much crumb in this pizza. Yeah, we do a pre-ferment with the 45, 45% of water yeah, and 1% of yeast. We use, we use fresh yeast for that. In the round pie, we use our starter. And then do you top it and bake it, or do you bake it and uh, par-bake it we, and then top it? We bake it only with tomato, so it's par-bake, yeah. 
I have to come in the morning to do that because we need to set up the oven with a different temperature. And what are you baking it at, like Celsius-wise or Fahrenheit? It's still the same, 295, 300, but the bottom is more because we use the blue pan. I use a blue pan, right. Yeah, so the bottom is supposed to be 310 Celsius, and the top is around 270, 375. And do you get really creative with the toppings like Bonchi would be? Like they use octopus and seafood and burrata um, and potatoes and on and on? Not really. We don't, we don't do that. Like we go easy here. We just go like burrata or pepperoni or anything we feel during the day. Well, I just ate, was it burrata and sun-dried tomatoes and oh, fresh yeah, basil? Yeah, it was sun-dried tomatoes. Yeah. Delicious. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. Um, and how how long do these bake for? The pizza? Well, in the morning you take like eight to ten minutes. And then, but you're reheating them to order, yeah? Yes, yes, everything to order, yeah. And does that affect uh, your pies adversely it's at actually, all? It's actually better because there is a lot of water in this dough. So in order to soak off the water, you have to reheat a little. It's more crispy. I like better when we reheat the pie than when in the morning come out from the oven, you know, because it's, in the morning it's still a little wet. And I feel that we have to reheat. I mean, that's what they do in Rome. It keeps it crispy too when you it do that. It keeps it crispy, yes. It keeps it. Uh, so now you're almost three years in here. Are you feeling relaxed, a little bit more comfortable with the style of pizza you're producing? Uh, absolutely not. I mean, we always try to improve our dough. I'm still not happy. I mean, sometimes like we have the beautiful pie coming out, but you know, it's hard to keep uh, the quality and control everything. That's the most difficult part about making pizza because there is so many, every day is different, you know? Temperature, we, right? Temperature, temperature, everything is different every day. Even the flour, when you get the flour, is not the same all the time. It, so it's really hard to make good pizza every day. I can tell you that the quality is good, we use great stuff, yes, but you have to make a great pie, you know, every day. Are you, do you, are you at the point where you feel comfortable if you're not here and someone else is making the pizza now? Oh, not really, not really. We, I think we have a pretty good team. You've added to your menu, I just had meatballs, so you have more than just pizza. Yeah, that one, it's Nick, you know, it's my guy. It's all Nick. He wanted to do meatballs, so that one is his job, it's not my job. Last question we ask everybody who's on the show here. Um, knowing what you know now, and you know a lot about pizza, obviously, because you've been in the trenches, what would you tell yourself three and a half, four years ago before you opened up Lindustry? Before you, I guess before you took over the keys to this business, what would you tell yourself? Go back in Italy, enjoy the life. No, I'm just... <laughs> Get out of here, go home. Don't no, do it, no, don't no, sign no, the lease. No, no, no. But when I got the key, I remember, oh my God, now I'm going to make money two, three years and I go back to Italy. No, seriously, it's like, it, it's like a drug. You know, you become obsessed about the pizza. I don't know why, but you know, I only think about most of the time about pizza, you know? I never had like a day off. I love to make pizza. I'm not a guy who is like, you know, I go out and I just love to stay on top of the bench over there making pizza all the time. So maybe you would have told yourself, you would have told your younger self, be prepared to fall in love and be here all the time and not feel like it's work for me right now i mean it obviously is work because it's a lot of hour like today i came here at eight o'clock and i'm gonna finish probably 11 30 12 o'clock so it's it's long day you know but if you like it the days go fast so and i'm happy that people love my pizza and that's it yeah pretty much it really is i meant to saying this because i'm here with you but it really is a remarkable pizza it's delicious worthy of all the praise you've been getting and congratulations and all that so Massimo thank you so much for your time and continued success I look forward to the the larger version of this because I know you're going to expand at some point right 
I hope. I mean, we've been talking about with Nick to see if we can find the space, make better pizza because that's the point. You know, I uh, I want to expand, but I want to make better pizza. Great. Congratulations. Good luck. Thank you, Steven. Thank you so much for coming by. All right, coming up in two weeks, a trip to Chicago's south side in the shadow of the park formerly known as Comiskey, where the locals have no idea what the hell Deep Dish is. I mean, it's what we grew up with. It's what we know. Um, we've actually never really experimented on the Deep Dish side, so tavern-style thin is what we've always done, and it's what's, what's been good to us. Dan Costello, third-generation president and CEO of Home Run In Pizza, tells me all about the Chicago Thin, a.k.a. tavern-style tradition his grandfather helped start in the heart of the city's working-class thin, square-cut pie community. That's in two weeks on March 13th. Remember to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts and rate us, please. I would love to know what you like or hate about the show. We're at Pizza City USA on Instagram, and more information about the book or our weekly tours visit us at pizzacityusa.com. I'm on all social media, by the way, at Steve Delinsky with a Y. Bureaucratic wrote and performed our theme song, and big thanks again to our sponsors, United Healthcare and Rosa Grande Pepperoni. Thanks for listening, everybody, and here's wishing you an optimal bite ratio, always. Always.